0: As the US and Canada moved into the 1980s, the fear of moral corruption was beginning to take root in the collective imagination of both populations. Media began a blitz of stories and in-depth reports of events that had anything to do with the perceived master of all things evil, Satan. Police and authorities were keen to latch on to any sign of satanic or occult influence in cases that involved murder or suicide as the public became more and more convinced that signs of satan worship were hidden in almost every facet of life and was especially a threat to the young impressionable minds of children the stage was set for a sweeping moral panic the accusations and allegations began to fly at a preschool in bakersfield california and this began a chain reaction that would spread from coast to coast that would cost states millions of dollars and take years from the lives of those caught up in the whirlwind of hysteria that led the public to see the devil in hundreds of daycare facilities throughout the nation. This case file joined the theorists as they find a little sympathy for the devil during The Satanic Panic.
1: Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing, Case File 189, Satanic Panic. I'm Brayden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan.
2: And I'm Andrew. Ooh. Woo!
3: Can you feel
0: the haunting begin? Oh, yes. Can you feel the power of Satan coursing through the your veins? power of Christ compels you.
1: Well, everyone knows we sold our souls we got a shitty deal <laughs> but our souls weren't worth that much so um this this topic hits close to home for us yeah we're, we're talking about the satanic panic of yesteryear but we really could be talking about a <laughs> more recent satanic panic as well because we're you know right in the midst of a good old satanic panic as well i imagine but we're we'll talking to... about
2: we're talking about the old one cuz that's why you're dressed up like the dude from nightmare
1: yeah. in the board game Right. Yeah. Is that why? The okay. OG one. OG yeah. satanic the, panic.
3: P- the power of satanic panic. The gatekeeper what, or whatever the fuck the, his name was. It was in the 80s. It's in modern times. It was back in the day with burning witches. It's something that kind of like... I mean, OG satanic yeah. panic could be like 1600s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right? <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, I just guess so. Well,
1: it's like, if you think about now, we had um, we were talking about before the show, you know, we had what's that guy's name again? Lil Nas with the Call me what you want. His little his blood Nikes, uh, with real human a drop of real human blood. Typically
0: proven to make you run faster. <laughs>
1: and you know every religious person was losing their fucking minds on that, and the mark of the beast, in the COVID vaccines. It's a it's a bad time to fear Satan. It's a great time to hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs>
3: He's he's on he's on top right now. It seems like yeah, he's on top. I mean, he's if that news. means
2: if that means getting your vaccine and COVID fucking off, then hail Satan! Let's fucking yeah. do it. Hail Satan!
3: <laughs> Let's do it, baby. <laughs> I get a jab tomorrow, actually. How did you get your jab so soon? Well, I fucking signed up a while ago, That's and then because you're I got a text. Four thousand years old. I, it takes about twenty doses. I heard they said oh, so. Okay. Yeah, did you sign up on the elderly list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't Extra know. Elderly. I guess I'm important. <laughs> My studio that's no, it's, closed. <laughs> it's because
2: they saw you and they're like, "This dude definitely looks sick, sickly. This guy's got some comorbidities <laughs> or something." That's Yeah, let's get him in. He, this studio. guy's a
3: liability, man. We can't have yeah. him in the ICU.
2: Yeah, no. Anyways,
3: Satanic Panic. We're going with the version from about forty years ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So we're uh, oh, we talking gross. about. Forgot
1: Eighties or forty
3: years ago? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Early eighties.
2: We're fuck boys. We're getting old. Yeah, we are getting, getting old. Old
1: God boys.
2: Damn.
3: Happens to everybody.
1: Woof. Sad. I'm like, and it, I'd like to say I'm aging like a fine wine, but I'm more like an old cheese <laughs> that's been left in the back of the fridge. Left out
3: of, out of the fridge.
1: <laughs> out of the wrapper. <laughs> yeah.
2: Once the hair is gone completely, you're good though, because then you don't change for the longest time. Yeah, those bald guys look the same when they're fucking like they. Bald guy at forty looks exact same when he's sixty. Fair
1: right,
3: point. so yeah. just,
1: you got to get past that hurdle first, and then you're laughing.
3: Silver lining. Yeah.
1: I was actually yeah. going to maybe shave my head before I come down for Pod Week. Actually, I just shave my head in the summer. There you go.
0: Do it. All do right. it. Keep it cool. I'll
2: do it for you. Come here and I'll shave your head, and we can play the song from go- like righteous fucking brothers. Oh, Punch maybe I melody. should. No, no, I'll no, shave no, your no. head
1: for you. <laughs> Well for I think I should shave oh, in uh my
2: love.
1: I, no 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 I got my a better idea. I'm gonna shave I'm in some wonderful. some fjord hair. Some we'll leave some really long, thin strands that I can wet down.
2: Oh my god. <laughs> a long fucking mohawk oh. is what you yeah, need. That's really like thin. slops
1: down. Yeah. Really thin and then some stragglers and stuff. Like we'll get some good fjord hair going. Uh well I'll do that for uh for the pod, for the I'll do that for the live stream of D and D during pod week. Do it week. for the whole week, uh, whole week. Fuck that. Huh? Come I'm like on, gonna walk why? around. I guess I can do wear it. a hat.
3: Yeah, be fine. Right, no mo- hat. More on Braden's greasy hairdos of Pod Week coming up in after hours. I can't fucking wait. It's got to right. be
2: long enough to have a little bit of a pony too.
3: I don't. After my hours. hair's not that
2: long.
1: <laughs> it's not long um, enough. All right, let's get back into satanic panic. <laughs> what are we talking about here?
0: Talking about the satanic panic, which you began initially, probably if you wanted to put a date on it, in the spring of 1983. So this entire event began when one parent accused a staff member of the McMartin Preschool, which is located in Manhattan Beach, California, of sexual abuse of her son. Did, so now, what was the do you do you know the allegations of that? Like, did the son
1: just tell the mom? That's what I couldn't just, find out. I was interested in that. So the,
0: the, the name of the parent was Judy Johnson. And apparently, uh, if you go deeper into it, Judy Johnson was a recently divorced, also known alcoholic, um she was living in the area at the time and she had sent her son to the McMartin preschool. Now the McMartin Preschool was established in the 1960s. It was a well-known facility. It was family owned and operated, uh, fully light and licensed and all those things. And it, it catered mostly to clientele who were in the like upwardly what could probably be categorized as upwardly mobile parents. Um, but this place was as uh, often packed. What is does Like that you mean?
2: But, but it's but it's obviously not not as credible as the recent divorcee drunk lady, right? What's the <laughs> like? That's
1: what's that's right, what's like, what's upwardly mobile parents mean? So they back could
0: walk? Well, no, yeah, <laughs> gypsies. <laughs> gypsies. Upperly mobile, they're gypsies. That's a nice way of calling them gypsies, right? So the the you know back in the vagabonds, yeah, gypsies.
1: Is
2: that what gypsies, we're talking no. about here?
0: Thieves? No, Sherrod sang <laughs> no, at all it all about it to you. Who who is in low life status. Are, you, that, are you, you, genu- you are you saying? genuinely asking or are you yeah, just are you, I don't know yeah. what up, upwardly mobile parents means. So like upwardly mobile in the in the sense that in like economic status. So you had people who were back then in the 1980s it was becoming the whole kind of uh movement of um really like to earn like uh, double earning families. Yeah. So you had both the mother and the father working at the same time. And so you would that precipitated the need for daycare, you know, full-time daycare. Now um, the McMartin preschool was a well-known kind of establishment in in this neighborhood at the time and often had no openings. Judy Johnson dropped her kid off at the uh, McMartin preschool with no reservation. She didn't have she had not registered her son. With the school, she hadn't. <laughs> he wasn't even on the list. And the but just fucking, she like left him
1: on the stoop, and fucking yeah. knocked and ran yeah, away. Pretty much Got it confused with the fire department.
2: She's trying to get rid. Well, of him, she left him
0: there because she had to go to work, and so she went to go work, and she left her son there. Uh, the the story kind of goes that the the staff felt bad for the kid because you can't just you know if they're in childcare, you can't just leave the kid sitting there. What no. are you going to do? Send him home, dude? Like that's send him fucking- away.
1: That's a great move by Judy Johnson. That's well a fu- genius level move because what they're not going to leave the kid outside. It's going to look bad on the daycare.
0: <laughs> so uh, they ended up getting the kid registered. They ended up taking the kid in, and he had spent like months uh, at the school itself, uh, at the preschool daycare facility. And um, at one point, he came home with what. Uh, judy johnson i guess either i'm not a hundred percent sure it's i don't think it's a, it's really well known about how she kind of found out but i guess or whether um how it happened but judy johnson said that she, he came home one day with a reddened anus a reddened so uh, like anus. an irritation like irritation. So diaper rash perhaps something mm. like that okay right And so she took him to, at first, initially, one medical examiner, like, took him for medical examination. They said there was nothing unusual. They couldn't find any sign of anything. Um, It wasn't anything really unusual about the case. She took this to be that he was being abused. She took this as a sign, like, went straight, like, zero to 100. Like, he is being abused at this school, sexually abused at this daycare facility. How, How old is this kid? Uh he was at the time oh I didn't I didn't write it down right at the time, but not not very old. This is preschool. Okay. Yeah, he's like three so or like four, four years old. Three or four. Okay. Yeah. So she takes him to, you know, she calls the cops, uh, tries to get the cops to investigate or do something. Uh they can't really find anything. They're like, there's nothing really we can do. She's still incensed about it and so she ends up taking the son to a second physician and this second physician according to reports didn't really find anything but also decided to kind of err on the side of caution and then claim and she took this to claim she took this to being um, there was evidence of abuse because the second physician said yeah maybe there was some maybe something happened
3: told her what she wanted to hear almost pretty much Seems Uh, like But
2: with the gravity of that though, like that's fucking crazy. Like even when you tell her what you what you want to hear, do you send him for further tests? Like how I don't want to get too into this because I'm like, you gotta examine the certain areas to know it. Like how here's
1: the thing. uh, This is he he could have been like this. It could have been one of those things where she's like pressing him and he's like, She's like, Was he assaulting? He's like, I don't really know. There's not really evidence of that. She goes, Could it be possible? And he's like, you know, maybe. Well,
0: according according to the gravity of maybe well according to reports she pressed him about this like she pressed him uh the child about what happened to him she asked him like did they touch you at the school did they do something to you um and he said no no initially like initially he was in all negative, like, no, no, no. Um, and then she said like, you know, have they ever done anything to you? Did they give you any injections? Because she had some, uh, she had observed him playing doctor with his, with his brother, his smaller brother, you know, trying to take care of him and stuff like that, trying to just be a doctor. And then, um, she's like, did they give you any injections or anything that a doctor would do? And then the son apparently gave indication that the, what the only thing that they had done maybe was take his temperature and she took it with a thermometer, and she took this to mean that the thermometer like, meant, like anally, Some, an anal yeah. thermometer.
2: Okay, yeah, maybe. I
1: mean, that's that's
0: well, old what school. What other kind
1: of with thermometer? That, how else are you supposed to get a temperature? Oh,
0: Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> well, not back in the eighties. Like <laughs> 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 that's an old Ugh. old school way for thermometer. So she and she took the thermometer to mean one of the daycare, you know, one of the daycare workers' penises. So. Sure. Oh so there's the allegation she then what she brings it to with po- no
3: proof. like no, Yeah, no proof allegation bring it to police. This kid could have
2: absolutely had a fucking Skytrain station lava fucking episode like Braden <laughs>
0: just burned himself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like <laughs> we're jumping to fucking major conclusions here. And so the, she takes she takes this evidence that she feels she has gathered and she takes this to the, the police and the police decide, well, OK, we have enough here to kind of perhaps maybe that this should warrant investigation. So they're going to ask questions regardless. They're not just going to go. They're not going
1: to go. Yeah. Send her on our way. Right.
0: Like. So they're like, okay, so maybe we should ask some questions about what's going on. So the police decide that it is the, the most effective way to do this, which would be to canvas the neighborhood around the McMaster pre- preschool. And they would send out, at least actually sent out letters asking parents to question their children and see if they had any reports of sexual abuse at the McMartin
2: preschool. Oh, well, because you can, you can just see how this shit can spread like wildfire. Because like, there's nothing in this world more innocent and beloved than a child mm-hmm. these are your kids and like m- minute anyone floats the idea of a diddler like fuck diddler diddlers we gotta oh, fucking figure this fuck. out we gotta find out grab your pit your fucking pitchforks grab your fucking torches let's fucking go like
1: you're like they're like shaking the kid. did they touch you did they yeah. touch you you're like all scared you're probably like, oh, okay yeah so uh.
0: like uh kids yeah, are freaking so, out and you guys are absolutely right so it it is just it, to me now, it seems a lot really crazy because it's like if if you 100 percent wanted, you know, intentionally wanted to start a panic, this is how you would do it. You would ask parents for evidence of sexual abuse because then the parents would take that immediately to mean, oh, there's sexual there's abuse been, going on at this daycare. Uh, they so, wouldn't be
2: investigating it if they didn't have something
0: basically. Yeah. Right. So you like, have <laughs> in the subsequent weeks, like you have outraged parents, parents who were, you know rightfully so concerned for their children yep. um you know whether or not that it is warranted is another question but it's just like they are worried about their kids as any parent would be and so these parents go and question their children you know and perhaps their children some of them don't give them any really anything they say no what are you guys talking about and then these parents would go and they would meet with each other and then get each other worked up even more and then they would question their children again and then they would seem you know they would take small little, uh, you know, admissions and things like this. And then this pretty much, they would take this to mean that there was, you know, widespread abuse occurring at this preschool. Well, it's tough when you ask a kid questions.
3: I mean, kids, that's a hard question to ask a kid because they don't know what it is, right?
2: I can't convince my kid not to shit his pants. <laughs> You know what I mean? And he's not that fucking younger than these kids. Like I can't explain to him like that goes in here, not in your pants. It's a lot less fucking comfortable <laughs> to do it in your pants. And he would just laugh at me and do it. You know, he'll be like scrunching his face and be like, "What are you doing? Don't don't do that." And he's just like, "I'm doing it. And there's nothing you can do about it."
3: So yeah, you know? so, I, so the hysteria starts. All the all the families start questioning their kids collectively, almost. So just by sheer volume and like amount of times you ask that question eventually what they start hearing stuff that leads them to believe that there's other cases
0: right so it's kind of like a it's it's a bit of a feedback loop if you think if you think about it because it's like parents go ask their kids something the kid says something kind of weird because the, the parents i mean as much as love has to do with parents like loving you know loving your kids you're not exactly like it, it not all of them are interview specialists. Like, yeah. You're going to ask questions and you're going to get answers and you're going to interpret them different ways and you're not exactly going to know what to do with that information. Then you go talk with another parent and they say some stuff. they are be like, well, I heard this and I heard this. And then, you know, it's just a, a huge uh, gossip explosion mm-hmm. of what's going on. Now, um, a few uh, into this investigation is going, because the police were still doing this, the, the police decided to bring in... Um, uh, a, a non-profit organization. They decided to to bring them in to consult the Children's International Institute, or CII, which I think now is actually they've changed their name to Children's International Incorporated. I think what their their current name is. And they they had had experience with dealing with sexual abuse cases in the past, so the police thought this was a good idea to bring them in to try to do this. And they had they assigned social workers to come in and and interview these children for details on the abuse. So now during the investigation interview
1: or interrogate,
0: <laughs> I'll say interview. <laughs> um, uh, the police allowed some of these, some of these social workers who were some of them, not 100% on the, on the level. I, I they're not, not that the fact that they were trying to do anything or intentionally Uh, trying to do things, but perhaps some of them were not uh, as trained as you would probably want people to do or experience as they want. The the police actually brought in one of their unlicensed, it was an unlicensed psychotherapist named Key McFarlane to conduct examinations of the almost 400 children who attended that daycare. Now, McFarlane is actually known uh, for one of the first people uh, to use anatomically correct dolls. And <laughs> just that for, for, for these kinds of interviews, Are we talk
2: about dolls of peas and veggies, like the whole
0: I, thing, right? So Poo-hoo's it's one of the things. Like, who hasn't oh, seen? Man. Who hasn't seen like a, a scene from a movie or a TV show? They take out the doll and like, where did they touch you? Yeah, right. That's what was happening. This is what this is one of the first. Um, uh, one of the first like uh, big cases that yeah. utilize that technique. Yeah,
1: Sweet. Your kids getting the birds and the bees talk by psychotherapist Keith McFarland with his sex dolls. What's What's the difference between like a
3: psychotherapist and just like a psychiatrist?
0: One's crazy. <laughs>
3: I don't think. <laughs> like I n- um, I've never heard psychotherapist.
0: I, yeah, I, I, right off the top of my head, I am not sure. Yeah, um, I'd have to look. It I up. never heard
3: that psychotherapist, and it says he's like an unlicensed psychotherapist, doesn't it? Like yeah. he wasn't actually, it's not an accredited title, or at
0: least he wasn't accredited. Yeah, I'd ha- i have to look more into it. But yeah. uh, as far as I as far as I found that like, there's there's this caveat under Key McFarlane that he was unlicensed th- psychotherapist. Um, whether his license had lapsed, or perhaps like something like that, or perhaps he just never got it, I I'm not 100 percent sure. So, uh, psychotherapy. These-
2: Sorry, Dan. Psychotherapists use talk therapy to treat their patients for emotional problems, stress. It, yeah,
3: stress, depression, yeah. anxiety, insomnia, addiction, bipolar. Right. Okay. Yeah, he's unlic- so, unlicensed psychotherapist.
0: Right. So, um, of the 400 children that he interviewed, he ended up. Uh, getting the results of about 321 counts of child abuse that were leveled against seven of the daycare staff members um, by 41 children of the children.
2: I can only imagine the fucking outrage once it, like all the parents, I would be even just, I'd be like, let's burn the place down with every single one of them in it. All of them do it now.
3: (laughs) Guilty in public (laughs) opinion instantly.
0: Instantly, like, doesn't matter that would happen later. The McMartin preschool would end up being burnt to the ground at, <laughs> oh, at one point. Shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it did get burnt down later. <laughs> later, um, it's horrible.
2: Why are we laughing? But it's
0: <laughs> uh, but some of these stories that these kids were that came out from these kids now you'd be like, oh, okay, you know, maybe these kids were saying, like, oh, the daycare, uh, the the daycar uh, employees were abusing us, they were touching us inappropriately, they were making us do weird things. Um, you know that stuff was part of it, but also you get these stories that came out from the children that were took to be actual, you know, uh, solid evidence of some sort of strange, satanically tinged or in some cases fully satanic rituals going on you had a report you had testimonies or some of these kids like from their interviews there was mention of in let me go i'm gonna go into the full list right here all right let's get um, into the list Ingestion of bodily excrements and human flesh, digging up and mutilation of corpses, sacrificing infants, orgies with daycare providers, wearing costumes as devils or witches in the classroom, tunnels under the daycare car uh, uh, tunnels under the daycare. Um. So sorry. This is still orgies. So orgies in tunnels under the daycare. Orgies at car washes. Orgies at mansions and in airplanes, cemeteries, what? gourmet food stores, local gyms, churches, and in some case, one case at least, probably in uh, hot air balloons. How? Hold
2: on. <laughs> these are these are fucking three to five year olds. Like, yes. have any of you guys had a conversation with a three to five year old? It's nonsense. It's fucking gibberish. 90% fucking gibberish. You're explain like that is way too fucking detailed. Like that I don't understand. Honestly, that, that, that all comes from
3: confession of the kids, all those <laughs> yes. places. Yes. How does a
2: kid know what a fucking orgy is? Hey, at listen, three to five? You know, I blame what, the this, parents. Why does your kid <laughs> have why does orgy in a five year old's lexicon?
1: That is fucked. Hey, key. It's not though. It's not. This is what yes, happened. Yes, it is. Key McFarland f-
2: didn't fall far from the shit tree. All right? Key McFarland <laughs> sitting there
1: here. with the kid and the kid's fucking speaking gibberish and he's writing it down and he's going, "Oh, mutilation," and the kid's just speaking gibberish, not even making any sense. And Key McFarland's just like, "Oh, or, or, or another orgy? Whoa! It, it, these I I don't believe these kids were saying this. orgy. Oh, we we there's have, no way we." We sacrificed infants, and we there was an orgy. Like, it it doesn't make any. A five year old saying,
2: "Yeah, they 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 fed us excrement." Like, yes, like a five year old is gonna say, "Like,
3: why?" He's probably,
1: you know, he was probably like, poo-poo. doo doo, yeah, doo doo, doo -doo. baby." Okay, we
3: the orgies are one thing, but also (laughs) the digging up and mutilation of corpses. Like, Like, what the fuck? They brought the kids to the cemetery, the ditches, man. During the day, (laughs) like the kids, they drop them off at preschool. field trip that goes down to the cemetery all holding
1: hands walking down to the cemetery i always I always think it's creepy when I see people walking with a kid on a long string of rope and they're all hanging on I'm like they're up to no good if you ask me (laughs) they're on the way to the cemetery on the way to the cemetery they're gonna dig up some corpses in the middle of the day as you do at daycare
2: (laughs) I mean like getting them organized enough to do that it's like herding fucking cats
0: you don't want them to dig anything you crazy you know, as as you guys are right to question, you know, why would the kids be aware of any of these types of actions that it's like the kids shouldn't be, you know, as young as them be aware of any of this stuff, like they shouldn't have knowledge of any of this. Right. So people, you know, as recently as like, you know, a couple years after this whole thing kind of happened, there have been multiple studies of the interview techniques that were used during the interviews of these kids. And a lot of people who have a lot of academics and a lot of papers that have gone through the transcripts of these questions have come to the conclusion that the questions that they used, like Kim McFarlane and those, um, those social workers from the Children's International Institute, they were questions that were pretty much tailored to get responses they wanted almost like like they they were were, professionals well they were gonna get they were gonna get they were gonna get the answers that they that they pretty much wanted that if they if they uh, one one of the ways is like they would ask like these kids questions um in a type of um like a uh what was it um leading Right. Well, well, you'd have like all these types of different weird ones. So you'd have like a, here is it like ask, asked and answered, right? So right. you would ask a question like, can you remember the naked pictures? And the child would shake their head or give a, a negative no, right? And then the interview would say something like, can't remember that part. And then the kid would shake their head and say, like, well, why don't you ask, why don't you think about that for a while, okay? And your memory might come back to you. So then the kid goes ahead and thinks like, well, what like I maybe maybe it happened maybe maybe my memory isn't thing. so you know most kids want to give adults like answers they want to be seen in a positive light so they would have the the kids would end up giving them answers that would indicate you know what these these interviewers were really looking for what they were looking Mm -hmm. for it's
2: just the worst part about this too right because these people are interviewing children so they're 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 the champions of these poor kids that have been fucking abused. So all this bullshit they're doing is completely cloaked in fucking sanctimony, right? Like they're doing the right thing because they're fighting for these children. Yet they're fucking ruining people's lives. Like so fucked.
3: They ask all those questions like that starts with just the preschool, but in the end, don't they end up getting like convictions on like babysitters and coaches, neighbors, oh. like a oh. whole bunch of people, a whole neighborhood. Well, not even
0: convictions, but they had accusations that yeah. people outside of the McMaster preschool. So you had, yeah, babysitters, soccer oh. coaches, neighbors, own town of diddlers everywhere. You know, <laughs> Um, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the best ones was the actual town's mayor's wife who apparently owned a station wagon. And then they said that she carried around dead fetuses in the back of her station wagon. And then even members of the loss a- of the Anaheim angels best baseball team were roped into it. Like, how does she get her hands in all these fetuses, fetuses like, <laughs> yeah.
2: rolling up in the abortion clinic? I'm like, you done with that. Can I take that?
0: So, oh, yeah. I, you know, the, this The Satanic Panic was not like a, like a one-year-off thing. This lasted for years. So um, even into, you know, I, I think they kind of put the range of this whole thing up until 1992. You could still make arguments that it's still technically kind of going on. But in 1986, a Los Angeles Times reporter, you know, just shortly a couple years after this, you know, three years after the initial kind of stuff started rolling, uh, actually revealed a poll of LA County, Los Angeles County residents that showed that 80% of the people asked in the poll believed that all seven of the McMartin preschool staff that were, that were brought in were guilty. You're guilty of in the
3: court of public opinion. If soon as you're involved with anything to do with diddling. So you, if you're accused, even though no can't sub, like substantiate the, the the claim, as soon as you're accused, like everyone's just, that's how you now are viewed. Yeah. Like it's hard to get, hard to come back from that one. Of all, like, like all crimes, that's the one that if you're accused of, even if you were completely innocent and you get roped in, that's the one you, that's the hardest to come back from.
0: So, of the five criminal cases, or of the seven, of the total of seven criminal cases that were laying out, like that, that were went to, five of them were thrown out for lack of evidence. And the only two to go to trial, the actual trial, were Raymond Bucky and his grandmother, grandmother Peggy. Jesus now uh in 1986 so is this, this when the the trial was going down peggy and raymond um and actually her daughter peggy or sorry sorry uh, so peggy mcmartin bucky her son raymond and the daughter also peggy ann um were all charged with 135 counts of molesting 14 children 35 tri- accounts yeah 135 counts 100 100- the trial lasted 28 months, and it cost the state of California 15 million dollars. And to this day, I thought this fact was like outdated. I didn't, I, you know, I was like, when I read it, I was like, this fact, I was like, no way, this fact could hold up for for that long. To this day, it was the longest and most expensive criminal trial in the U.S. history. In the full U.S., not just California. In all of
3: U.S. in all of U.S. history, 25 wow. million is that's the most expensive. That seems low, but. I I take you 28 months. That's like six years, right? No, 28 months. That's
0: near two and a half years. Come on. Yeah. 28 months, two and a half years, $25 million. Yeah. And so Raymond actually ended up serving five years in prison and Peggy served two before the actual collapse of the case, because there was, there was a lack, there was a serious lack of corroborating evidence. Were they in jail because they couldn't afford bail?
1: like pending their trial?
0: Uh, Must have been. Is that know, how yeah.
1: that worked? Is that how they serve? Surf- because he would have served five. There's like, unless he was sentenced, he wouldn't serve time unless he couldn't afford bail. So then he would have been in jail for like, like what, like pre
0: Well, their sentences were eventually overturned. Yeah, but he's yeah, still, uh, he's he's still, still, still going to jail, jail labeled I a fucking know, I, diddler. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my God, holy
2: <laughs> shit. Oh. Room handles and Is all. Is that usually man, how like, it works?
3: Like if, if I got, say, I got convicted of a crime or accused of a crime and I was in tr- in trial, I was in jail and I got, I had like a $100,000 bail. If I, someone posts that for me, I can sp- be out of jail during my trial. Is that yeah, how it works? Yeah, until
1: you're sent, until you're found guilty and sentenced. Well, that's how it works in Canada. If right, I can't no. post
3: bail, then you're you, just, you, you stay in custody or, until
1: you're at the end of your trial.
3: Oh, shit.
2: I don't think daycare workers are making much money, so no. I would not be surprised if they couldn't and do that. And they probably
3: posted bail at something ridicu- ridiculously high.
2: Oh man, that's fucked.
0: Yeah. And so this would set off eventually a, a t- like a tidal wave across the country, not only in not only in the United States, but Canada as well. There would also be a number of cases that would follow this and would follow pretty much the same exact pattern. And you had this going on to, for 10 years or so.
1: For you to say that that exact same pattern, when you when I first started reading into this case, I legitimately thought I was like. I've heard this before. What the fuck? I thought this was a Canadian case, and I was so confused. And when you say that this kind of wrapped up in '92, in 1993 in Martinsville, uh, Saskatchewan, I, I won't get into the whole thing, but basically, a woman had her uh, son at a daycare, brought the son home, noticed a, a reddening of the anus, took it, took the son to the doctor. The doctor was like, "No." I don't see any signs of sexual abuse. Took the son to a second doctor who was like, I don't see any signs of sexual abuse. Went to the police and the police opened an investigation where then they went and talked to all of the parents at the daycare who gave them all sorts of fucking answers. (laughs) Answers. And this thing got so fucking out of control in Saskatchewan that there was over a hundred charges at one time. Uh, in connection with a cult, a satanic cult called the Brotherhood of the Ram, and practicing ritualized sexual abuse of children at this so-called devil's church, it got so bad that uh, even the officers, the original officers that were involved in the original investigation, um, f- uh, four of them, four of the five were actually later on accused of being participants. So then they were also investigated criminally. Like it the whole town it it was insane. Everything got thrown out because there was no evidence of anything. And the government had to pay uh 1.3 million dollars in malicious prosecution um like payments out to people. But like and out a ton of saris. Yeah. Yeah a, a, a ton and, of them. And, you know, I look at this and I'm like God, it's like the exact same timeline of events, the exact same way, almost on the heels of, you know, this one in the other Martin place. It's
3: (laughs) like Martin. Carbon copy story, pretty much.
1: Yeah.
0: Instead of Mick Martin, you got Martinsville. Hmm. Yeah, so this whole thing, it's like there there are a ton of things or more, more than a few that we can talk about that are... What precipitated this entire thing? Because it wasn't just it wasn't just that the the parents went straight to. Because you'll ask yourself like, well, okay, you know, sexual uh, you know child sexual abuse is a thing. It happens. It's a sad fact, and it's terrifying. Horrifying. It's terrible. And it's it, yeah, it's really bad. Um, but to jump straight from that to satanic, what they called satanic ritual abuse (SRA), like how would you get there from that?
3: Because you know? the only so, person who would do that
0: is Satan. <laughs> so how you need well, somebody to blame. Need someone to blame. Yeah.
2: Absolutely, somebody to blame well, in this that's, situation. That's
0: the thing. And I, you know, Satan or Satanism or the whole kind of thing was on the mind of at least in North America.
2: Totally. Had, well, like it's been on the mind culture, for a
0: while. Yeah. Like, let's you got to bring it way
2: back to like so in 1966. Anton LaVey started like the first fucking church of Satan. He wrote the fucking Bible of Satan. Now it's depicted a lot differently than everybody thought it was. He used Satan as a symbol for like rebellion and freedom and all this other shit. Mm -hmm. But then after that, you started getting all like Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist and all these, you know, fucking supernatural devil fucking type, you know, movies start coming out. So it's starting to get like pumped in everybody's minds. And Then next thing you know, you got fucking Manson in 69. Same year that he produced his Satanic Bible, so like this is on like the minute that Manson, you know, the people realize that that's this kind of stuff can happen in real life, not real, not just movies. A cult can go out, attract suburban white people, you know, these innocent people, and convince them to go out and murder people. Yeah, right. So this is like, and then you go to the eighties where, you know what I mean? You've got military conflicts, you've got financial crises. Shit's hitting the fan. you got to find a new person to blame. You've already blamed the Nazis. You've already had the Red Scare. You know,
3: who are you going to blame next? Who better to blame than fucking Satan? Dungeons and Dragons and Satan.
1: Well, the other thing, like, to speak to kind of the atmosphere of the time, you know, like, the term serial killer was, you know, um, started to gain notoriety in, like, the 70s. And in the 80s, you had like, you know, the night stalker who was going around and just murdering people and like mutilating corpses for real, really doing that. And you had Son of Sam who in his trial was saying that, you know, he was possessed by the devil and stuff. So you had all these like notorious serial killers at the time, like perpetrating these heinous crimes. And, you know, a lot of this was getting attributed to satanic ritual killings and stuff like that at the time.
2: Well, because you could, like, you had to blame it on so you. You couldn't just this guy just couldn't be bad. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it, yeah, Yeah,
1: you need a like people want. I could be bad.
2: I could be bad, or my kids could be bad. No,
3: Satan because bad. they're possessed by the. devil. They
1: didn't pray. They didn't pray at dinner. Mm-hmm.
3: Didn't pray hard enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Masturbated
0: too much. Sinners.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, that that all kind of rolls into the um, like. You could probably label those as contributing to contributing factors to the explosion of this panic, which can be, I guess you could take the definition, if you take the definition, a collective stress reaction in response to belief in a story about immediately threatening circumstances, those would all be contributing factors to it. So you had the, you know, the proliferation of a proliferation. And I could, you could say popularization of serial killers of, you know Satan as this evil force that is you know permeating the you know or corrupting the the social fabric of the United States and Canada but there was um not only that but in 1980 you had a very fresh um there's a very fresh book that was published mm. that gave real credence to kind of like it it, it it gave people who read it and it became like a kind of a phenomenon but do we want to take a break before we talk about it or do we want to keep going
3: i was going to say my class is empty let's take a quick break and we'll be right back
1: i
0: hate god we're back and if you're talking about the satanic panic and if you're listening or reading anything about the satanic panic it's almost impossible to for for those people an author or a podcast not to mention the 1980 book Michelle remembers. Oh, a- so remember. Michelle remembers was a book that was uh, that was submitted as a biographical account of memories that were recovered uh, by Canadian psychi- psychiatric patient Michelle Smith about memories that she had from childhood of ritual abuse um, that she had suffered. So this book was actually written by Smith herself and her psychiatrist, Lawrence Pazder at the time, whom she later married. And if that's not a conflict of interest, I don't know what yeah,
3: else is. Yeah, was like... Got a little bit the, of a uh, Celine Dion and what's-his-face scenario going on here.
0: And... Or
2: something
1: like that, isn't
3: it? Marry the manager, marry, marry the psychiatrist, yeah. marry your...
1: I think marry the psychiatrist is worse.
0: Yeah, I So I would Smith agree. detailed the abuse that she had experienced at the hands of her mother and other members of a satanic Man. cult during the night, the mid 1950s um, in British Columbia. Now, oh, pastor originally had been treating Smith for depression uh, following a miscarriage and she held and he claimed to have helped Smith to resurface these memories by using hypnotic regression which we have talked about you know Betty and Barney Hill case we've talked about it many times I, it's I not to,
2: Dr. Sprinkle it's not credible <laughs> <Clean and laughs> yeah, fucking
0: if it's simple, not Dr. Sprinkle then yeah then why would you even try it Because i waste your time well, and
1: just just to give anyone here listening that's not from Canada or you are from Canada uh, on Vancouver Island like even, like since I've been here it's talked about how Victoria BC is like a satanic capital of the world um with nukes with nukes uh and why why people (laughs) think that i believe is when you go well there is a satanic church there but just about every single building in like the old part of downtown like everywhere you look has like masonic symbols and uh stuff on the architecture and like built upon so i think that's where that um Gives um, it a lot of credence when people think that. That's
2: probably why it's probably why you move there, isn't it? Yeah.
3: Mm, Sh- yeah. Shut the fuck up. Sh- it's almost like the Masons <laughs> built half of it. Victoria. Yeah, almost. Oh <laughs> shit. With underground tunnels. Connecting. And nukes. And nukes. Isn't that Nanaimo with the
1: it's nukes? It's all coming together. Yeah. Nanaimo's the nuclear free city. No nukes. No nuclear weapons. Says so on
0: the nine sign. Nine, nine. You know, that's exactly what a city would say. Exactly. If it have nukes. <laughs> well, that's what I'm
1: like. So what do I assume if a city doesn't have that sign, they have nukes?
0: Yes. Every city's got about nukes. <laughs> um, so the book actually ended up earning Pazder and Smith more than $340,000 and it's mm. pretty much skyrocketing success. Just in hardcover and paperback rights alone and it a lot of you know people who who have talked about this it became a phenomenon like it it nailed a lot of stuff and it, it it gave people almost reason to suspect your neighbors like you know it suspected that you know this this depiction of ritual abuse that happened and just you could know, be anybody and, yeah could be anyone if it could happen in your family could be your neighbors could be your you know extended family could be anybody your co host right? Your co-host who lives suspiciously near the satanic capital of Canada. (laughs) You know, in 1989, almost 10 years after the actual publication of the book, Oprah Winfrey uh, had Smith on as a guest on her show alongside another guest, Laurel uh, Rose Wilson, who's the author of another um, book which depicted satanic ritual abuse. Um, which was also uh, submitted as a, a survival memoir or labeled as a, a survival memoir. Yeah. And so, and, and Pasder went on, uh, you know, such popular uh, news news interview shows such as 2020. Uh, he was on uh, ABC News' 2020 in the May of 1985. And that's a wild ride. Yeah. First <laughs> off, that's a wild ride, that 2020. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a it was a multi-part series. Uh, I sent the guys while I was doing my research, I found a clip from the uh the the 2020, which is called the Devil Worshippers. So if you want to look it up on YouTube, it's 2020, the Devil Worshippers. I specifically cited uh part, part number three, which yeah. I always thought was, was <laughs> hilarious. the best part? <laughs> because this one lists out this one specifically lists out the satanic clues that you should look for. If you are trying to find the satanists in your neighborhood, so number, number one, one, coffins. What is it? Coffins. Coffins. Just like coffin.
3: Coffin on your on. They you got one on your deck, or they got one in their backyard, or, or they have. If you're they out they there. Have
1: had, you've got a cough. Satan worshipers. Oh coffin.
3: Coffin. Oh. Oh coffins. Anyone coffins. with a cough, Satan worshiper. If, if you have it's slept in COVID a coffin or and you've and been Satan in a you are ridiculous. Yeah, here. getting out of control.
1: Um, two. Well, hold on. Paraffin. With the coffins, they oh. said they said with the coffins is like, well, they use these because they make the children lay in the coffins with the bodies, Ooh, and okay. it's just like this weird older woman. And I'm like, I don't believe anything this woman's telling me on the show right now. <laughs>
2: um,
1: I was like, what? This doesn't make any sense. They just just lay in the coffin, and then sounds
2: sounds like a fucking Satanist over here trying to like displace fucking uh, suspicion. I'm sure it doesn't
0: make sense, pal. That, oh, sure. that robe
3: gives him away instantly.
0: Two right. paraphernalia, paraphernalia, anything that indicated any type of you know uh, indication robes. of some sort of satanic intention. So it could be pentagrams, could be Ooh. dark can- could be you know black candles, could be spooky robes, spooky robes, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Uh, you know elaborate goblets. Or things like that. It's really, yeah. That you got Um, one of those. Satanic clue number three, kidnapping. Yeah. You get caught kidnapping. Something you look for and you find everywhere, like, well, this guy's been kidnapping for a while. I wasn't gonna say anything,
3: but now that you mention it,
1: (laughs) my neighbor's a kidnapper. I know he worships Satan. I see him kidnapping all the neighbors' kids. (laughs) Uh you've got bigger issues. Like you should maybe call, you know on the you should snitch on the kidnapping not worry about is this one of the seven ways i can figure out if he's a
0: satanic worshiper
3: well well, dude if you if you got coffins on your front porch that's that's a red flag just maybe not for you know
0: coffins you know pentagrams on the outside of your house you know you're also kidnapping kids left and right your neighbor might be a satanist Uh, Also, number four, sexual abuse. Because, of course, you can't have Satanism without sexual abuse. They kind of go hand in hand, according to some people.
1: Yeah,
2: some people Uh, that
0: are involved with the church, ironically (laughs) enough.
2: (laughs) That's the best part of this whole situation. It's like the first stories we have of babies being consumed and kidnapped for the devil were fucking in the ancient Roman times, and they were said about fucking Christians right like Christianity was an early religion then and they were an easy scapegoat so that's what you do to scare people away from
1: Christians and Christianity yeah and then the Christians eventually said it about the Catholics exactly (laughs) flip the script
2: (laughs) yeah it's just I don't know it's just
0: ridiculous
1: so it's like it's uh, like that old uh, Spider-Man meme where both the Spider-Mans are pointing at each (laughs) other
0: what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like Andrew said, you know, eating babies. So, number five, satanic clue, cannibalism. So, you know, if they're yeah. eating people, so don't, yeah.
3: don't go to any of your neighbor's houses for a dinner party because you just never yeah. know.
0: And then number six was cremation because that's how you get rid of the, the evidence. Oh, the that best that part about, about 2020, the
1: best part of the 2020 thing, that interview is they say cremation and then it pans to the girl and she goes, and that's why they probably haven't found any evidence or any bodies. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, there's a there's a segment <laughs> there's a part in there where the narrator says, uh, like they they list out all these clues and they say none of this has been proven.
1: Yeah, but Just we'll come still- out and says it says none <laughs> of this has like, been. But we'll get to proven. the we'll continue to get to the bottom of it. I'm like, the yeah. what bottom yeah. of
0: what? And as more cases come forward, as more evidence is found, it, to- it will confirm these these uh you know, these these claims or whatever. they have
1: this old ho- hobo looking guy. He points to his wrist, which you can't see. Cause it's four fucking three sixty grainy YouTube video. And he goes, this little scar here is where they, my friends used to drain my blood for the rituals. We'd mix it in a wine glass with the urine, drink it four times a year for the ceremonies. <laughs> and then just pans away from him. Like, no, go back to that guy. I want more of that guy.
0: <laughs> so you kind of had this now, I guess you could kind of put this into the, um, like when or you would kind of point to this fact as a uh, a definitive end to the uh, satanic panic was in 1992 when the United States Department of Justice actually poli- uh, published a monograph, which is a long uh, essay about a singular subject. Um, and it was r- uh, for actual investigators, Uh, which was written by Kenneth Lanning, who is a supervisory special agent with the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit in Quantico, Virginia. And this one systematically debunked claims of ritualistic occult abuse in the United States. So it only took Um, them like 10 years to get to it. Right. And so like a little background on Kenneth Lanning, Kenneth Lanning, like his role was actually as a case consultant uh, for hundreds of cases uh, that were said to have involved satanic ritual abuse. And some of them were not in the United States at all. So he'd like globally, he was kind of just the the, the kind of clearinghouse or he, he saw himself as a clearinghouse of all these cases. So he went through all of these reports he went through all of these case reports about, um, about, Satanic uh, cases, which people claimed that this, you know, SRA, Satanic ritual abuse, was, was part of the case. So, Lanning published this report, which uh, critically examined a lot of these definitions of Satanism. And what he found was, like, a lot of the definitions that people used to describe Satanism were really fluid Right, so mm. you could uh, not only the people, but also the law enforcement agencies that were investigating them. So not only like you Dude, know it, state. What do you mean? Whatever, it's state. super
1: easy. You don't like it. It's Satan.
0: <laughs> so, right. Right. Black
1: or white. <laughs> you don't like it. Um, KFC French fries. Satan. You,
0: you know, know, and Lanny went went to go went went forward to go ahead and highlight uh like uh, the indicators that would. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the ones that we just described, these these clues of satanic, you know, influence or whatever, the kidnapping, the coffins, and things that he went through to, to kind of debunk them and be like the these these actual indicators were being used in law enforcement police training seminars. Yeah,
3: expert like and investigators became experts in these techniques. And they were like, that's what they would use in all these cases. And then this guy, this guy comes out and tells us. Yeah, you'd have cops busting
0: in the doors and being like this guy likes heavy metal music. This dude plays Dungeons and Dragons Suspect. automatic SRA. <laughs> okay. Like heavy
3: metal music. Okay, yeah. They use like, you know, they use fucking they use the de- devil symbolism and a whole bunch of stuff. And then like okay. And then Dungeons and Dragons, it's a role playing board game. I not I never understood how that got lumped in just because they use well,
0: which, like uh, Dungeons wizardry and, Dragons uses and a lot of shit. stuff. Well, you can't have a warlock without making a pact with a demon. So I guess, <laughs> you know, you got um, the, you know, Dungeons and Dragons does deal with some, you know, demons and devils. Yeah, but you're always sl- sl- you're always killing them, you know. Right, you're always getting rid but of them. It's just the fact that you're inter- you're interacting with them on some level. You know, it's kinda it, like, it it actually brings joy to my soul
1: that someone might listen to us one day playing Dungeons and Dragons and go, e- "Believe we're Satanists.
2: Listen, <laughs> the, these people were were so upset with Dungeons and Dragons, they created a coalition called BAD, Bothered About Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) That's fucking real. Seriously, there's this kid, so there's a university student in, I fucking, I want to say, it was in 1979 in August, he goes missing from Michigan State University. Go Spartans. So, he goes missing. And the police go to look for him. They find a suicide note. They start asking around. They're like, what do you know about this guy? Where do you think he might be? And the other students are like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, he's depressed. He's tired. He's been overworked with school. You know, uh, what does he like to do for fun? Oh, well, he likes to play Dungeons and Dragons. Boom. (laughs) Boom. That's what it is, baby. He got way too enthralled in a fucking game of Dungeons and Dragons, went crazy, and went fucking scouring around these tunnels and went missing. That's what happened to him because he was possessed by Satan.
3: That's the easy, easy leap.
2: Well, it's, it's so fucking crazy to the point where case closed. They, well, so you know what I mean? So everybody's on this big fucking kick that Dungeons and Dragons is about demons and devils and stuff like that. They ended up making a movie about this exact same situation, about a guy that plays Dungeons and Dragons gets possessed by the devil and goes crazy. One of fucking Tom Hanks, first starring roles in a made for TV movie. It's like, uh, was it Dan demons and mazes? It's called. It's called. Oh, I don't know. Called, man? It's called "Demons and Mazes." Not not Sounds Tom Hanks's first satanic esque movie. Um, <laughs> I want to kill everybody. Satan is good. Satan is your pal. If you know what that fucking is from, I'll be extremely impressed. If you don't, I, I won't be surprised. I do not. You learn I do not it. know. Don't Google it. Okay. If anybody, if our fans know where that's from, I'll be fucking pumped.
3: Quick Easter, <laughs> but yeah, Easter egg so from Andrew. like, and that's part of it. Said so
2: Easter egg from Andrew. A little bit of an Easter egg, but like this is, that's just the first touch of the the mass fucking invasion of Satan and in, in like popular culture. And like, I don't even want to, I'm not even going to start with the, you know, the metal because that was like what everybody goes to, but it was stupid shit. Like, um, they went after the owner of McDonald's because some lady in Akron, Ohio said she saw him, uh, admit that he gives half his proceeds from all the worldwide McDonald's to Satan. So he had to go and do an actual interview and say, that's I not fucking true. Don't do that. I don't know what this person's talking about. I don't know where it came from. And then all over the fucking United States, they start putting out in church newsletters that McDonald's is is, is donating their proceeds to Satan. And then stuff like Procter & Gamble, uh, Gamble, a company that's famous for making um, household products, like cleaning products and stuff like that. Their symbol had 13 stars in it. Well, they assume that that's fucking...
1: That, that's satanic. Well,
2: why why, else, fucking,
1: why would you have 13 stars if you're not?
3: If you're
2: not. Because apparently <laughs> it was the original 13 colonies of the United States. But anyways, <laughs> these people that's had to make rich. a fucking, they had to make a toll-free number for people to call to explain to them that like, this is a misconception. And then on top of all that, they had to switch their fucking logo.
1: Man, it doesn't that sound he, familiar shit like that though? It's almost like, was Procter and Gamble selling closets with kids on in th- in their catalogs?
2: Well, like, <laughs> exactly though, and then you go into like fucking cartoon characters, Thundercats, satanic. Uh, well, we had we had to chat. go after uh, He Man's fucking castle because yeah. it comes with a microphone and it makes your voice really low, and that's sure. satanic. satanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Smurfs. Well, Smurfs' skin's super, blue and their lips satanic. are black, Get- so they look like corpses. So yeah. that's evil, satanic. Mm-hmm. That Rainbow Bright. If you look closely at Rainbow Bright, she has a pentagram on her cheek, satanic. Yeah, satanic. There's yeah. no 100 and but's a fucking bout it. And then you get into the fun most stereotypical part is rock and roll. Of course. Right? So, from what I understand, most of this rock and roll stuff stems from Charles Manson. Charles Manson was the first person to kind of come out and say there is subliminal messaging about Satan in rock music. Uh he starts like with Helter Skelter he says Helter Skelter was predicting a fucking race war. Right. That was his big thing by the Beatles. And, you know, there was a little bit of truth because there were bands like the Beatles that did what they called was backmasking, where they did put lyrics in songs that when you played backwards, you could understand them. So this fucking started planting a seed in everybody's mind. So everybody started playing rock albums backwards and started hearing things or thinking they were hearing things. Right. Right. And like and which like there is a perfectly reasonable explanation for that. It's called pareidolia. And basically the human brain has a tendency to try and make and search out patterns, right? So you show them you show them something that doesn't make any sense and you instantly want to make a fucking pattern of it. You want to turn it into a symbol or a face or an image or a word that doesn't make sense. You're instantly trying to make it make sense. So these kids are playing these albums backwards and, you know, oh, that kind of sounds like this because they're trying to search out. Like That's just a, your brain's natural tendency to try and do that
3: well i mean zeppelin's known on their album cover like zozo you know
2: well that's <sighs> we all Demon. know jimmy page is a little bit of a fucking shady dude but that being said there is no proof like it got to the point so badly that these two kids in the fucking 80s went on a drinking binge and decided to make a suicide pact and fucking kill themselves one kid died the other kid not was not successful but had life-altering uh, injuries well, you know, the parents found out that these kids love fucking Judas Priest, just like everybody else in the '80s, Satanic. and sued Judas Priest for six point two million dollars. They didn't win because they felt that they had sub- they felt that they had subliminal messaging in their songs. They didn't win the case, though, did they? That no, they didn't, but still, to their credit, there there is subliminal messaging in songs. We do know that we know that Dan loves the Simpsons. I do. Ni eat niage. That's why John. That's why Dan fucking joined <laughs> the navy. Hit
0: me hit me Wait, so he, yeah. he's
1: a huge fucking party posse guy.
0: What's the, hold on, what?
1: what's what's even yet Nijosh? Join oh, the navy. You gotta do
0: your homework, pal. Oh, it's join the navy. navy
1: backwards. Oh, is that there <laughs> yeah. is that how they got you? That's party posse. So they, like they
0: got me. So they got me. It works. Scientific proof. It works. Are you saying
3: that in Stairway to Heaven, it doesn't say? Oh, here's to my sweet Satan. It says join the navy.
0: Here's my sweet Satan. Join the Navy. Devil. Yeah. Oh, they say join the Whose Navy power yes, in, Satan. The, in the first part. 666.
3: Six, six. Boom.
2: I mean, they did it with Zeppelin. They did it with the Rolling Stones. They did it with the, like again, mention the Beatles
3: again. But then but you get still you get to some good ones. get to, so it's not just satanic. Sometimes though, I gotta play one more because sometimes they just turn out to be awesome. Oh yeah, it's fun to smoke fun to marijuana. Smoke marijuana. So they're not all satanic. I mean, I guess no. That's a lie. I guess because marijuana. Satanic,
2: dude, that's the devil's cabbage. Right
3: there, yeah, that's my devil's bad. Nice. that is
1: the devil's cabbage, man. And look at look at our world, everyone's smoking it now.
3: <laughs> yeah, everyone's Gone satanic shit. everywhere you look. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, there's you can go looking in that, yeah, the satanic panic spread across North America. These are the, some of the bigger cases, but like I'm sure every state, every province, every region had some type of form of like local satanic panic. It might not not ended up in. You know, a two-year court case, but that that spread across and it spread quickly, and it took a long time to subside. So
2: I don't think it's completely subsided, dude. Like, no, it's we're, growing up in the nineties changed. I wasn't allowed. I would try to wear my Metallica shirts and stuff like that. My mom would always be like, "That's evil. That's satanic. Don't wear that. That's that's awful. Take it off." You know, like it's that shit is still around within the religious communities, it, and it's
1: exhausting. We're seeing it right now. we're literally living. In a satanic panic right now, there's people who think the shot, the vaccine, is the mark of the beast.
2: Bill Gates is the new devil. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Are we saying that here first? Is Bill, yeah, is is Bill
3: Gates even in, involved, like, in manufacturing the vaccines? Or no. I, I, I think know. he administers <laughs> everyone. Is he? Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Does he? <laughs> does really, he own all the vaccine companies? He's got perfect control of the, of them all. It only mm-hmm. makes
2: sense, and we do know now oh, that he Linda got divorced because home, yeah. he was riding on Epstein's plane all the time and trying to give everybody microchips and it's just yeah. not a good scene, man.
3: Okay, let's do final it's, thoughts. I'll, go, I'll give a quick one first. I mean, satanic panic, people always try and blame something, as we said, like, you, you need someone to blame. And in this, like, ch- child abuse, whether it be physical, sexual, or verbal, that's that's real stuff and that's terrible and has to be stamped out. But to just, like, put it in, the, like, when they put it in the news and, like, the, they pretty much created this panic out of hysteria, right? And, like, for me, it's like, this is not the first time it's happened. It's happening again now. It's happened, in the, it's happened throughout history, like vilifying the devil or Satan, whoever Satan may be. But yeah, I mean, in the end, all these cases, a lot of them got overturned. I think there's there's still a handful of people in jail and they'll just never get out because they don't have representation. Like they'll just be in there, serve their sentence, you will know, never go out. So I think it was just, first of all, I think it was bad police work to like, I'm, I'm not an expert detective in any means, but you look back and you see them just go public with this notion that there could be pedophiles at this one thing and allow the parents to pretty much make the story up with their kids. I think it was, a, it was just a mishandled situation that seems to be human nature in general. Right. We're always looking for the enemy, someone to blame. So that's what I think. Child, yeah. child trafficking is a real thing and that's a different whole different topic. And like that is still going on today. And that's like, that's there is real terrible child exploitations going on in the world, but it's not just say the satanic panic was was not uh not handled correctly.
2: No, I I couldn't agree more with you. I think it was manipulated. Like I go back like when I was doing my research, I found something I thought was really cool with that to touch back on that Anton LaVey guy, the founder of the Church of Satan, supposedly. And he had this uh name he had nine satanic statements which were in the satanic Bible. And basically says Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had because he's basically kept them in business for the last so ever years. It's true, and and you look at it and then like in my brain I think they manipulated the situations like, like this fucking daycare you know ridiculous situation that they had and manipulated to use it as an attack on counterculture. You know, like this to me, the satanic panic is like today's canc- cancel culture. We don't like this. We don't like we don't like rock and roll music. We don't like these fucking cartoons. We don't like dungeons and dragons because it's going away from these normal traditions and our routines and things are changing and we don't like that. So we're going to stop we're going to stamp all this stuff with a satan symbol and fucking banish it and get rid of it. And then the church uses it like when, as soon as this stuff started popping off, we started getting Christian contemporary music, Christian cartoons, Christian comics, and all this shit. Because, you know, people still need entertainment and they want to be able to watch something that's approved by the church. And this is approved by the church. Mm. So this is okay. So they use it to their benefit. And I, I honestly think this is just basically
1: a fucking... Genius marketing. One of the first forms of, of fucking cancel culture. Honestly, I, I like do. That. Like like um It's well crazy to me to think that this 10 years of you know, investigations and all this money is stems from one dr- drunk lady. <laughs> right. Uh, part of me wondered. Who if was, yeah. Day- uh,
0: just to add to that. Yeah. She, she was had a history of alcoholism later. She was institutionalized at a mental <laughs> hospital oh, and she ended up dying of liver failure due to years of alcoholism. Oh, so fuck. just, it, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's like it, for real, but the thing, like, you see with these things, the narrative's very similar. Like, when you hear about these tunnels, these secret tunnels, you know, where they're moving children, where have we heard that, right? I believe there was a pizza shop in Washington that also had these tunnels that didn't exist. But didn't actually have a fucking basement. Didn't have a basement, right? Like, the narrative is strikingly similar, and it's funny that we can consistently get fooled by this same fucking narrative. Um, now, the thing about this, like that i you know i hate to say with these cases is that like when i was like reading up on it it's like you know you you read the things about the child abuse and that happens it's real like it's terrible it's a terrible thing it happens you know i read about um these people using children to lure other children that happens it's terrible it's fucking it happens Right. Then you start to look at, like, you know, in society, we see these secret societies, like, that are there's like, there's tiny, like, there's tiny grains of truth, but this, like, wraps all those things that are on the brink, like, pushes them all together. And there's like, this is, this is why it's all together. But it's like, each one of those things separately, it's like, yes, it happens. There are weird secret societies that do weird fucking shit. Right. We've talked about Bohemian Grove and their fucking weird stuff there right skull and bones you know there there's t- there's tons of these weird kind of fringe things that we you like to f- you know give imaginary like these wild ideas about you here and then all these other things happen but to me it's like this just put wrangled all these things into one and not very well and people ran with it because it all of it had a little bit grains of truth because these things happen individually separately um did i think there was like a widespread satanic uh cult running out of a daycare digging up bodies in the daylight like no <laughs> no i didn't that's i don't believe that but it's like you know you look at some of the stuff that happens like you know got epstein's island it's kind of a weird one right like so There's you get nuggets shit. of truth you get nuggets of truth these things but um I think this was a little bit of mass hysteria. A little um, bit. Thinking that this stuff is happening under your nose, in your neighborhood, your neighbors may be involved. Like it's it was one of those things that it drummed up business for everyone. The church, media, it was a hot button topic. Um, and it, it, you know, it was selling papers. So if it's selling papers, you keep printing it. And I think it, you know, we've learned that that kind of shit does more bad than good and I think a lot of people's lives uh, were hurt from this and it's funny because we say it ended in 92 but then it picked right up in Canada in 93 like huge province-wide investigation getting like the the exact same thing unfolded it, it's crazy to me but uh, I think it's just all these things wrapped in one but there is unfortunately some grains of truth
0: to each part of the stories. Dan take us home. So if if you zoom out on this period of time, you have to really look at a, a number of sociologists and psychologists have kind of uh, taken a critical look at this time and how uh, society was developing as a whole. So a lot of academics will go ahead and look at this time and they'll see a very a very definite separation. Which had originally had been a definite separation up to this point of what is known as like the covenantal and contractual social spheres um, of, of of society at that point. So covenantal being the family, so your obligations to your your family, your kids, um, your parents, all of that thing, and then the contractual, which would be your obligations to work. Labor market economy. So these these two spheres had been separate up to this point. There had been a, a very solid kind of uh, uh, definition between the two, but when you move into the eighties, you had this kind of uh, there was a bit more strain. From the economy that was placed within the covenantal sphere which ended up precipitating a movement that made female participation in the market economy more appealing and more accessible you had more women wanting to en- enter into the workforce and you know the labor the labor economy market economy was making that more appealing like you should go out and work there should be two parent you know two parent earners You know, two parent earner families is the way to be successful that was that was made as kind of like an appealing situation is the way that we should be. So now these economic strains would end up affecting the families in such a way that daycare became a necessity. Because your extended family, you know, your sister, your sister-in-law, your brother, your brother-in-law, they couldn't take care of your kids anymore. You know, your your baby boomers, your mom and dad, like who were still working at this point, they weren't retired. We're, we're still, we're all, everybody was still working. And so with all of your extended family being motivated to participate in this labor market, you had people unable to provide Child care you had nobody to ensure like the social, the the proper socialization of your children. So this made child daycare a necessity to you know North American society at the time. Well, right? isn't this that? That's where the term latchkey kid comes from, is it not? Yeah, like the kids that come home to no parents at home because they're both working. Right, and so unfortunately, up to that point, um, I turned out you know, fine. Just, right. Me too. And a couple of kids, you know, a couple of years before that point, you had these deep cuts in federal funding for public care centers because those did did exist. Public child care centers, just like they do now, you had public child care centers. And with these deep cuts and funding, you, this ended up, you know, the consequences were inevitably, you had rising costs to parents, you had overcrowded facilities and you had staff that were underpaid. So you had these these facilities and then at that point also you had this kind of blitz of this media blitz. So, uh, you know, to, to Braden's point and everybody else's point that the media is complicit in some of this or has some is, is a major contributing factor is definitely I would see that as 100 percent correct because they were showing these facilities that were overcrowded and, and whatever. So it made kind of a, you had to put more pressure on the the family unit. To like take care of their kids, to be more critical of these facilities that were taking care of their children. So now you have these parents facing a dilemma, which they had to weigh: economic success, both parents going out and earning money, providing a you know a stable economic environment for their kid to grow up, in, versus their the the proper socialization of their children. And which do you choose? Right, the Satan, so the, Satan school. <laughs> right so so you have these you have the parents like are facing this this extra stress and so when you know the the perfect kind of storm like you have this kind of sentiment bubbling underneath the surface coming to a boil but nothing really can, can set it off until you get this right mm. this gave the parents You could you could say that this this whole thing that Michelle remembers this whole thing, this phenomenon that happened, gave the parents a focus and a reason to be critical of these where to place their anger at a system. They weren't really sure because it's like it's really hard to blame an economic system to lay it on that, you know, like you can't you can't just be like, well, it's the economic system, at least back then. Right. You can't just be like lay all your, your troubles at, at, at the reasons like you design. we designed this system It has been, you know, uh, propagated throughout our society like these problems it, it are a lot more complicated than Satan. Right. Satan gave them a focus. It gave them a reason. Or it gave them, you know, it, it, this is a place to put our rage. You, can, it's very, it's it's much more difficult to go forth and guide, uh, find out and criticize the the economic system that is being propagated in your society versus that's evil, that's Satan. I know that's wrong, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, said. so. If you zoom out and you look at it from that lens, the socio the sociocultural lens, I think you find that, you know, it, it is one of those things that you had the, 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 the system was putting pressure on the parents, but they didn't know where to put their anger and to put their outrage. But once you put once you bring morality into the thing and this <sighs> kind of, you know, our kids are in trouble and are the, in the clutches of evil that we know is evil.
1: I'm a big fan <laughs> of it. It's usually the, if the simplest ex, the simplest explanation is usually it. And after listening to your explanation, I believe there was satanic pedophiles running that uh, childcare facility. Simpler yeah. Case in point. <laughs> <laughs> it's way easier for me to believe in all this. It's way, yeah, all exactly. this hocus, it's way easier to be
0: like Satan is evil. Yeah. And they're doing things. And my kid mm. mentioned something about You're using a lot and,
1: of $10 words, my friend.
0: Mm. <laughs> Satan so yeah. did it. Yeah. So, say, you know, big words, and then you can go ahead and say that Satan did it. And then it's, it's <laughs> what do you want? Big words or Satan did it?
2: So. It's not rock appliances, boys. Mm. Satan sucks. Satan <laughs> did it.
0: Satan did it. Did
2: it.
1: It's, it's a goddamn thing. He stinks. Mm. Nice. Before. Uh, We do anything else. Get on our Patreon. Um, If you're listening to this, it's Friday. We are in the midst of pod week. We're in the thick of it. Uh, It's a good time. Get on our Patreon, patreon.com slash alien theorists podcast. Directly support the show. Uh, It's going to be a good time. Also, uh, we've got some interviews coming out. When you're listening to this, will one be released, Sal?
3: Yes. Kevin Day will be out. So Uh, you've already listened to it. Probably
1: you've already listened to it. And, (laughs) uh, we're coming up with an interview, uh, with Avi Loeb. Uh, and as you're listening to this, we've got an interview scheduled with Mike Masters. Um, they're going to be super interesting. So you're going to want to head to our patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast, um, to get on that. Why don't we fire up the randomatron here? I just. Whoa, why are we two forget. buttons? two buttons. There's two buttons going on. There we, we go. Whoa. Yeah, that sounds yeah, good. A-
2: that sounds good. Woo. Best it's ever sounded.
3: Alright, alright. Hmm. Oh, shit.
0: Some Satan music. Heavy metal. This is Satanic. One day we're just going to find like the, the call of the mongoose, like whatever, and just play that. I think we should do that.
1: <laughs> what, yeah, what is Ma- a, I don't even know what a mongoose sounds like. Uh, sounds just
2: like this. No. Right here. That's nope. that's the sound of mongoose, baby.
3: Happened to a friend of a friend of mine.
1: Yeah.
2: So at the beginning of these things, you know, obviously. Sounds stupid if I don't say it in first person, so I'm gonna say it in first person because gotta make it sound good. It's not rocket appliances. So this particular event takes place in a let's say like an an interior town, kind of deserty type climate. Small city. Small city. Small city. Kind of maybe like a vacation town too. Tourist. You know. Tourist what town. To think like that kind of thing.
0: Tourist sure. town. Maybe like Penticton.
2: Sense. Kind of. Yeah. A lot like Penticton, oh, okay. a little bit more of like a drive-through town than Penticton, but. Oh yeah. Whatever. Anyways. Yeah. So, uh, this particular call comes in mid-afternoon. No big deal. Comes in. Uh, neighbor reports loud yelling and banging. Knocked on door, no response. So those type of calls. We usually get dispatch code three because we don't really know what's going on. It sounds pretty
3: su- suspicious. What's code three, and we need to go three? there
2: quickly. Code three, and check that shit out.
3: So, what's code three though?
2: Uh lights and sirens. Uh, go, so go, go, go.
3: make yourself known on the way.
2: It's just emergency. Get there as fast as you right, can. Gotcha, gotcha. We got code two and code three. So we take this call, particular code three. We know this address quite well. Uh it's pretty close to the downtown core. It's low-income housing. It's usually where Satanists. a lot of people <laughs> people who hail Satan and smoke meth mm. live. You're under the poverty line. Drugs. This is probably where you're living, unfortunately. So, the downtown. Well, I was going to say you support whatnot. Satan. But. So, we respond to this place. You know, the fire department's coming. We get it announced on the way. Dispatch is like, fire department's going to be delayed. There's a three-alarm fucking fire. 4-alarm, whatever the hell it is, whatever those guys do to justify their fucking hefty paychecks. <laughs> Anyways, fire department's fucking tied up. So we show up, bang on the door, no response, thinking I might have to chuck Norris's fucking door down. Hope I don't, because we have to pay for it. Luckily, it's unlocked. Go in, house is disheveled. Doesn't look like anybody's been there in a while. There's rotten food on the tables. There's dust not the great, not a great place. So it's one of those type of places where the door opens and you're like, hey, is anybody there? Can you come to us, please? I don't want to go further into this place. Nobody responds. Fuck. Damn. So getting ready to do a preliminary sweep. A lot of these situations, you're fear for the worst. All of these calls, you end up finding a dead body, that type of stuff. So you're like, you're already preparing yourself. So as soon as you step into this small apartment... There's a door to the left which looks to be the bathroom so i'm like okay there's a better place than ever to check twist the doorknob go to open and right away it's a thud god you're like what the fuck right so you go and there was just enough room for you to kind of stick your head in and you look and the door is bouncing off a rather large man's forehead and you're like oh that's why we can't get in maybe i should stop hitting this guy in the head with the fucking door so Pull the door back. I look at my partner. I explain to them. There's somebody down in the bathroom. Can you please get the BVM out? I don't want to jump to conclusions, but this could potentially be an overdose. Whatever. So I stick my hand in through the door. Find a carotid. Nice, beautiful, strong carotid. Have a look. I don't see any chest rise. I don't see any effort to fucking breathe. So I pop open his, pup- his eyes and have a look at his pupils. Pupils are pinpoint. Leading me down the... Thought process that this man has potentially overdosed on some type of opiate-related substance or something that was laced with opiates. Mm. Too much Satan. So too much Satan. He's overdosed on Satan. <laughs> Hailing way too much Satan.
0: Never overdose on
2: Satan. And this guy apparently did. So this was quite a tricky situation because our, our friend of a friend is actually he's he's built like me. Smaller guy, you know, nimble. Very mongoose esque, little Spider Man ish.
1: Not nearly as able though. He's uh, like, not hard not to look at. As fucking awesome. <laughs> no, no, no,
2: yeah, guy's hideous. He has a fucking hideous chud. Anyways, is able to jump into the room. You would say over top of the body. Okay, very difficult considering the fact that this is one of those bathrooms that if you were to sit on the toilet, you could touch the toilet, you could touch the sink, you could touch the fucking bathtub, and the door all from the toilet seat. So this bathroom is fucking tiny. tiny. Yeah. And the unfortunate part is when our friend of a friend jumped into this bathroom, the fucking light switch was right along the door as well. So when he jumped in, he hits the light switch, lights go out, he's in the room kind of being like, oh fuck, I can't see anything. Partner's like, oh, don't worry, I got you. Flicks open the light, passes you the BVM, you're like, okay, great. Start bagging the individual. Try to get a SAT probe on their finger. And then once you start bagging this person up, you start oxygenating him. You t- take a second, kind of look around. And you look over the bathtub and holy fuck. There's that person in the bathtub. Oh, So immediately put down the BVM. Tell my partner, we have another patient. Get up to go look at the patient. And you say, never mind. We don't have another patient because this person is clearly dead and has been dead for a while. Oh, Ha. Ah. Obvious signs of lividity lividity, blood pooling, early signs of decomposition. The bathtub water does not look like bathtub water anymore. It's not a good sign. So I keep calling. I called my partner. I'm like, hey, can you find out from dispatch? Can we get an ETA of the fire department? This man is approximately six foot three, looking to be about 230 to 240 pounds. The bathroom he's in is basically his feet are up on the fucking ledge of the bathtub. One arm is in the toilet and his other he- his head is blocking the entrance to the door. I'm like the only way we're getting this guy out is if we pop the fucking door. Well, fire department is tied up and we don't have any help and there are no other ambulances available. So, we run it, keep bagging him. Narcan, Narcan. Narcan, we're up to 1.4 milligrams of Narcan. This guy's still not coming up. Big issue we're having right now in BC is the fact that our opioids are down, our fentanyl, our heroin is being laced with benzos. Which means they're sedatives. Which means you might reverse the uh, respiratory arrest. They're breathing on their own again, but they're still unconscious. So far, we we can't fucking Fix the respiratory arrest, the guy's not breathing on his own, and he's not hes not conscious. So this is a fucking clusterfuck. So basically get to the point where I'm going to bag this guy up and my thought process is, is I'm going to grab this guy by the knees, this rather large man, grab him basically like I'm going to put him in the fucking lion tamer or a sharpshooter and start inching him back away from the door so I can get my partner in to help me carry this guy out because we have to get him out. So that's my plan. I start pulling, I start pulling I start pulling. Well like I said, this person, this other uh, sad individual was in the bathtub water had somewhat overflowed from the bathtub the floor is quite slippery and there's not a lot of room I, our friend of a friend fell backwards into the bathtub (laughs) with the decomposing body
3: No Did 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 your friend of a friend touch the water? In the oh, water. Oh, like right in.
0: In the water. On the lap of a person that had been dead for approximately six days. Some Look. say a bathtub could be likened to a coffin. So are you telling us that you <laughs> were in a coffin like... <laughs> satanic.
2: satanic. Satanic people. Yeah.
0: Not me. Not me. I mean... Friend of a friend, not me. Friend of a friend. A friend of a friend, friend is a 100 Satanist at this point. In my my so books, we yeah. ended up
2: getting this individual out of the fucking bathtub, and now we were taking them out, our friend of a friend had to turn their pockets inside out to get water and people
1: fluid out I of their heard, pockets and I heard boots. My friend, my friend of a friend, is friend with your friend of that friend, yep. and my friend yep. was telling my friend was telling me that his friend sent him a snap your friend sent him a snap of him dumping out water from his boot. Oh, yeah.
2: Like, I'm surprised there wasn't a fish coming out of the fucking boot. There's so much water in there. Our friend of a friend had to buy new boots because of this. Tossed all uniform, had to buy brand new fucking new boots, because, boots because it was decomposed, junky body
3: grossness everywhere. It wasn't me. Satan yep. juice. Yeah, exactly. So it then proceeded to
2: help lift this giant man while gagging the entire time into the hallway and resuscitate them, all the while to get this person back, regain fucking consciousness, start breathing on their own, to get up and tell us to fuck off and not get transported by the ambulance. This person found his mom dead in the bathtub. Decided to use. Well, I wouldn't want and to be transported.
0: Transported by Satanists either. So. Ugh. That's fair.
3: Uh, yeah anyways it's a thankless job sometimes isn't it
1: I heard your friend of a friend now has scoliosis of the spine basically
2: our friend of a friend is probably going to be off work for a bit because he's got a pretty extensive back injury from hauling fucking lot unconscious <laughs> a lot of dead weight out of <laughs> the fucking bathroom a lot of dead weight hunched yeah. over like crazy no matter what no matter how much weight you can lift when it's in the human body form that's unconscious it's fucking wait, it's, weird. it's just dude it's yeah sweaty fucking grossness that there's nothing good to gr- like it's oh man i just fucking it's awful anyways yeah there you go
3: Whoa. there you go there you go oh no thank there you there you go there you go there you go all right uh let's uh shout out our theorite of the week there andrew Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Just one thing here. I got it pulled
2: up. It is. Oof. Jericho Tonkin. Jericho with his Tonkin, phenomenal choice for our next future pod oh, trip. Yeah, yeah. To the fucking moon.
1: Alice. To the moon. To the moon. That's
2: goals. Took our. Uh, down. I'm not going to space, Jericho. I appreciate it. It's a cool picture. I'm not going to space. Too scary. Took our picture of us at chicken too pizza.
3: Scary. Way too. Put scary. us in space. Yeah again you're ever the
2: i mean i do like that i'm got the guns out space though that's cool
3: you, make sure to go check out all this great fan generated content on the facebook group
2: i mean i'd much rather go to juniper or something like that than the <laughs> <that's Juniper. part.
3: laughs> venus and gatorade yeah. awesome all right if you're not already Braden already told you go support us on patreon so you can get access to a live stream all the good stuff pod week the other goodies. I'm sure even on pod week, we might do a couple public streams, uh, but we'll talk about it later. This week's Patreon supporters, Chris Moreno, Gustavo Topete goes up to the $25 pledge. Woo! Nick Collins, Summer Price, a full year pledge by Patrick Meyer. Nice. Rumpel foreskin goes up to the twenty-five dollar <laughs> pledge as well. <laughs> Adam Miller, Thomas Evan, Tara, Dylan Wells, Zedano, and Oh, a full year pledge by by Vegeta Steele's Yo Girl. He that's, that's true. A good he name. would. And he, he would he would. He would do it. Alright. Would. Would. Right. Send it off there, Braden.
1: And as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. Peace. Peace.